leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards in stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Nearly one in three drugs is a post-market safety event, according to a study published earlier this month in JAMA. The study looked at 222 novel therapies approved between 2001 and 2010. We spoke to Nicholas Downing, clinical fellow in the Department of Medicine at Brigham and Women's Hospital and lead author of the study, about the findings, the limits of clinical trials, and whether the U.S. Food and Drug Administration needs to do more to improve surveillance of drugs once they're approved. Nicholas, thanks for joining us. My pleasure to be here. Well, we're going to discuss your recent study in JAMA that looked at post-marketing safety events and newly approved drugs, whether this points to the limits of what clinical trials can show us or some defect in the regulatory review process. Let's start with the study itself. What exactly did you do and how did you do it? So we, uh, we, we took or we identified 10 years worth of drug, drug approvals from 2001 through 2010 and followed their experience after approval for 11.7 years on average right out to Early, uh, early 2017, and counted up the number of safety events uh, that were significant enough for the FDA to <clears throat> notify clinicians and patients about them that occurred after approval. And when we did that, we found that one in three of these new drugs approved in that time period were affected by a significant post-market safety event. And, and what constitutes a post-market safety event? How? serious does something have to be uh, of a threshold to, to be reportable? So that, that, that's a great question. And we, we used a very specific uh, and reprodu reproducible definition of a post-market safety event. Um, and there were three, three, potential, uh, three potential ways in which the, uh, we labeled uh, a drug as having a post-market safety event. The first one is if the drug was withdrawn uh, because of a new safety concern uh, that arose in the post-market period. Uh, the second reason was if a new boxed warning was added to the drug's label uh, in the post-market period. And again, a boxed warning <coughs> is, uh, is issued uh, or is added to a drug that appears, appears in the top left of, a, of the drug's label uh, in bold text in a box. And typically, they highlight very severe safety risks. Uh, um, that could potentially confer increased mortality. And the third component is 
was a drug safety communication, which is a formal announcement made by the FDA uh, targeting clinicians primarily to alert them about significant uh, safety information that has come to light in the post-market safety, safety period that could change the risk the risk-benefit calculus about whether to use a drug um, that doesn't quite reach the level of a box warning. Is it surprising that one in three drugs would have post-marketing safety events, or is that an acknowledgement that there are limits to how well a clinical trial can replicate real-world use of a drug? So, so we did not go into the study with an a priori uh, expectation for what the right number of post-market safety events would be. Uh, we found that one in three drugs uh, did uh, have a post-market safety event, which uh, is, is important in the sense that it tells us that the Food and Drug Administration is looking for post-market safety events in the, uh, <clears throat> and successfully identifying them. It would be concerning in some ways if there had been no post-market safety events at all, because then you would have to wonder whether we're really scrutinizing the safety of drugs after approval. You asked a related question about whether um, whether uh, post-market safety events are uh, just a, a, a just something that happened given the limitations of, of pre-market clinical trials, and I think that that's a very a very interesting question. From some previous work that we've done, uh, we have demonstrated that the um, that pre-market clinical trials the ones that the FDA uses to make approval decisions are, are variable in their design, in their length, uh, and in, in the number of patients that they enroll. Some drugs are approved on the basis of really a, a fairly long and large clinical trial. Some drugs are approved on the basis of, of smaller clinical trials. But regardless of what the pre-market data showed, um, and, and how how broad the pre-market how broad patient exposure was to the drug in the pre-market period. I think a, a key implication of our findings and uh, is to reinforce the fact that there is uncertainty about new drugs throughout their entire life cycle. When they first are used in man uh, in the early pre-market clinical trials, there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty. As we study them in pre-market clinical trials, uh, the, the drug maker um, assembles uh, basic information about the safety uh, and efficacy of drugs. They then submit that information to the FDA, and if the balance of safety, uh, apparent efficacy, and uh, residual uncertainty about the drug uh, is favorable, the FDA will grant approval. Now, at that time, that doesn't mean we know everything about the drug. It means that we know that it is, we hope that it is, um, is reasonably safe and, and, and probably works. But there still is a tremendous amount of uncertainty, as you point out. And that is what we're, we're seeing sort, sort of a manifestation of that in our study with a third of drugs, uh, being affected by a post-market safety event as they are used in a broader population than in the pre-market clinical trials and for a longer period of time. So I would, I would characterize the drug development process as a learning process that begins with those very first clinical trials and extends throughout the useful lifetime uh, of a drug. And it's very important to remember that we'll continue to learn about the safety and effectiveness of drugs 
um, after approval, and these post-market safety events may simply just be a, a manifestation of the residual uncertainty uh, that that is certainly there at the time of approval, um, getting ironed out as they're used in, in, in broader populations for longer periods of time. The median time between drug approval and the first post-market safety event was 4.2 years, and, and nearly one of the three drugs had one or more safety events at 10 years. D- does that suggest that these events are relatively rare, and what would that say about the ability to detect such safety risks within a clinical trial? Um, so we, we didn't look specifically at the, uh, I mean, we didn't look, we didn't spend a lot of time analyzing the exact nature of the individual events, so I can't answer a question about the, the typical frequency of them. Um, but, but I do, I do agree that that is an area, um, that is certainly worthy of further study and a very reasonable question of whether pre-market clinical trials are actually even able or powered to detect such safety events if they tend to be relatively low in incidence such that you would only see them in the post-market period when the exposure is greater. What I will say is with um, with some colleagues over in Europe, we have done an analysis of post-market safety events uh, in, uh, that, that have occurred in drugs approved by the European regulator, European Medicines Agency. And if and in that study, we identified post-market safety events for those drugs and then went back to the approval packages and looked at the, the pre-approval trials to see if there was any evidence that those post-market safety events uh, or those post-market safety risks uh, were evident uh, in the pre-market clinical trials or even on the regulator's radar. And what we generally found was these the new safety information that arose in the post-market period uh, was not something that was in the conversation uh, around the time of regulatory approval. Now, that is focused on Europe. Uh, that I, I don't know whether that applies uh, in the United States, but, you know, further to your suggestion, it, uh, it you know, it does raise the question of, of whether regulators are even able to detect these if they are, in fact, rare events, but that's a, it's a great area for further study. Well, one of the findings which may surprise people was that the drugs that were approved the fastest, those with the shortest approval times, had the least post-marketing safety. Uh, any thoughts on why that was and what that would suggest? So, so to be clear, I wouldn't say they had the, the least, uh, the, the lowest proportion of post-market safety events. They, their, their, their proportion of post-market safety events was lower than drugs that were uh, approved over longer periods of t- or where the, reg- where the regulatory review, review time was longer. Um, so I don't think that the conclusion of that subgroup analysis is that drugs that are reviewed quickly are safer. Um, I, I think it probably speaks to the fact that there were several drugs approved in the time period 2000 to 2010 that uh, presented um, that that presented uh, clear evidence of, uh, of safety and effectiveness that allowed uh, the FDA to make prompt approval decisions um, with a high degree of confidence. And we haven't, uh, unfortunately, uh, we haven't um, seen any uh, safety risks associated with. And if you look at that group, for example, you see the imatinib, uh, that's Gleevec, uh, Avastin, and, and Belcade uh, as well. So several um, game-changing drugs, at least in oncology. 
uh, are, are in that group. So it may reflect in some ways the actual drugs in there as opposed to the faster regulatory review time. You did find the post-market safety events were more frequent among biologics and psychiatric drugs, drugs receiving accelerated approval, and, and those approved near a regulatory deadline. Uh, I'd like to take the first two first, biologics and psychiatric drugs. D- does that suggest issues with complexity? And Any thought on why those drugs may have had more frequent post-market safety events? Yeah. So, so with respect to the biologics, again, um, you, you can speculate why, uh, why that may be the case. And, you know, as you know, biologics are complex, large molecule therapeutics, whereas, uh, pharmaceuticals are small molecules that are synthesized in a chemistry lab, where we have a, a very complete understanding of their structure and, and their likely interactions with targets in the human body. Um, so you may, you may, one could argue reasonably that uh, that biologics may be prone to post-market safety events because, you know, we, we don't have a, a, as complete an understanding of potential off-target effects. Uh, on the other hand, accelerated approvals and drugs approved near a regulatory deadline suggest that things may have been pushed through too quickly. Should we read anything into that? Is there any data to support that conclusion? Um, so, so the near regulatory deadline question is an interesting one. Uh, there, uh, as you may be aware, was an Earlier, earlier analysis of this uh, in the New England Journal of Medicine that studied drugs approved between 1993 and 2004, and also found uh, that uh, drugs approved near, near the regulatory deadline uh, <clears throat> near the regulatory deadline uh, had uh, higher rates of post-market safety events. Um, whether there's a deadline effect, deadline effect or not, I, I'm not certain. Uh, you know, it certainly raises the question. But as you pointed out earlier, drugs, it, the FDA certainly seems capable of approving drugs in a, in a short period of time, perhaps even before the 60 days prior to the deadline, which is how we defined a near-deadline approval, um, that didn't have any safety problems. So I think the, uh, the effect of deadlines and the effect of need on post-market safety events uh, is, is uh, I think that there's some remaining questions on that front. Well, how good a job are we doing at post-marketing safety monitoring? Any, any sense how complete or rapid the reporting is? Again, again, a great question. Uh, I, all we did was count up uh, the, post-mar- the, the post-market safety events that the FDA uh, had uh, posted on its website and clearly attempted to communicate to clinicians and to patients. So that doesn't doesn't tell me uh, whether the FDA uh, is detecting all post-market safety events, and it doesn't tell me anything about the time lag. Uh, so, so I'm not sure our study really answers that question. You do raise the, the, the point about the, the timeliness of identification, and I certainly think that, that that's an opportunity for further study and perhaps an opportunity for further improvement. So we found that the median time from, from approval to the first post-market safety event was 4.2 years. So you can imagine that a fair number of uh, a fair number of patients may use drugs before the post-market safety event has occurred, and they are are unaware that they everybody is unaware that they are being exposed um, to, to to a safety risk that they don't know about. Obviously, <clears throat> that's not desirable. Um, and if there are ways in which we may be able to detect post-market safety events in a timely fashion um, or earlier, 
that would certainly be very exciting because you would minimize that degree uh, of exposure before people knew about it. Do we that know? Could involve, go ahead. No, do we know anything about how well-informed patients or doctors are about the need to report safety problems? Um, so, uh, so there, uh, people can communicate with the FDA in a variety of different ways. And as a provider, if you're concerned about the safety of a drug, you're able to report that to the FDA. And then the FDA is also, uh, you know, working um, through a Sentinel initiative to use administrative claims data and uh, data from the from clinical data to try to proactively identify post-market safety events. Well, the FDA's Sentinel system became fully active in, in 2014. Any sense how that's working out in terms of identifying post-marketing risk, and how robust is it? Do we do we need to be doing more? Um, I've not looked at that issue. I've not looked at that issue in detail. Uh, I think it's a great question, um, and certainly worthy of, of further uh, further research. Any takeaway for patients or doctors? Should they be reticent to use a drug that has been on the market for only a few years if there are older drugs available? No, I don't necessarily think that, that that's the case. Um, I think I think what's because many new drugs offer important advances over, over previous drugs. The key takeaway here is that uh, that 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 the drug development process uh, involves uncertainty that diminishes over time and that diminishes as our clinical experience with, with medicine grows. Uh, and so it's important to recognize that uh, when, a, when a drug is approved, there are certain known and well-defined safety risks. There are certain known and well-defined efficacy signals. Um, and there are certain things that we just don't know. And it's important to acknowledge that there is an uncertainty at the time of drug approval and that as we start to use a drug in a broader population outside of pre-market clinical trials, we may learn more. That might be good news. That might be that a drug is more effective than we thought. It may be that a drug is more safe than we thought. On the flip side, it may be that a drug is less effective than we thought it was, or it may be less safe than it thought it was. Um, so that's, that's, that's part of, um, that's part of the calculus when, 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 uh, doctors and patients consider consider using new drugs. Is that a bad thing? Um, who, who, that's not my role to say that. Um, but I think it's an important consideration, uh, an important consideration and something that uh, everybody involved in the development, drug development process should be aware of and acknowledge. And by acknowledging it, you hope that uh, we, uh, we can continue to generate the meaningful uh, and clinically useful information to reduce that degree of uncertainty over time. Nicholas Downing of the Department of Medicine at Brigham and Women's Hospital. Nick, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.